0: Good evening and welcome to NTD News. I'm Stephanie Cox. Here are today's top stories. A federal appeals court just ended the special master's review of the Mar-a-Lago documents, the latest in the legal battle between former President Trump and the DOJ. In counties across the country, election boards are certifying midterm results to meet state deadlines. But some voters say the system is faulty. The Attorney General of Indiana is seeking to discipline a doctor who performed an abortion. The doctor may have broken laws on patient privacy and the reporting of child abuse. New York City plans to have police remove mentally ill homeless people from the streets. But police now say they only heard about that in the news and aren't prepared. And storm clouds roll over the crypto industry as government officials discuss the need for comprehensive regulation. We bring you the highlights from this morning's FTX hearing. We start the evening with a major update on the materials taken from Mar-a-Lago. The 11th Circuit Appeals Court has just halted the Special Master's review. The Special Master was combing through thousands of documents to determine if any were protected by attorney-client privilege or executive privilege. Those would have been returned to Trump. Now, the Justice Department can use any of the documents in their investigation. In the ruling, the court said that it can't block a search warrant investigation after it has been executed, as that would violate separation of powers. The panel of three judges included two Trump appointees. Trump's team could ask the full 11th Circuit to rule or appeal the case to the Supreme Court. And turning to Trump's tax returns. House Democrats received six years of Trump's federal tax returns yesterday. And today, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said they might release those documents. The decision would be up to the Ways and Means Committee. The committee's chairman said they will meet as a caucus to discuss next steps. Trump and his lawyers have argued the bid to get the records was politically motivated. And election officials across the country are approving challenged results despite accusations of voter fraud. NTD's Arlene Richards reports on that and the latest from Kerry Lake.
1: Some voters don't trust the 2022 midterm election results as voters and poll workers report mistakes, inaccuracies and fraud. But counties and states are still certifying results. Two days after the deadline, Pennsylvania's Luzerne County certified its election results. The county's board of supervisors were deadlocked on Monday, with two Democrats in favor and two Republicans opposed. But a third Democrat who previously abstained voted yes at a special meeting on Wednesday. Democrat Daniel Schramm told CNN he investigated voter complaints and found little evidence of problems that would have changed the results. One voter asked for a formal
2: investigation. This was a fiasco, and just so you realize, this is supposedly the most modern voting system in the country, and it's it's a joke.
1: He wanted the board to delay certifying the results until after an investigation is completed. In Michigan, the state's board of canvassers certified the 2022 midterm election on Monday. But before they voted, residents and former candidates complained about election problems. Republican Secretary of State candidate Christina Karamo said this about the election. And I find it very curious to see the Secretary of State doing a victory lap after they presided over an lo- unlawful election. Citizen Canvas efforts have shown that there are thousands and thousands of registrations across this state registered in voting at vacant lots. Other residents cited multiple irregularities and questionable ballot counts. In Arizona, Cochise County is still holding out on certification. But Secretary of State Katie Hobbs filed a lawsuit to compel the county to act. Meanwhile, Arizona's Republican gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake said her lawsuit is on hold. Arizona law doesn't permit challenges to a state election until after it's certified by the secretary of state. In a recent appearance on the Joe Pags show, Lake said this. We'll go through the system the way we have to, because we can't go to another election and expect people to show up and vote. She said in-person voters were abused because the system is run by people who want to bring her down. Their sole goal in this election was to stop me. And that's disgusting. Lake said she's not quitting. Over in Georgia, Senate incumbent Democrat Raphael Warnock will host former President Barack Obama on Thursday. The runoff election between Warnock and Republican challenger Herschel Walker is set for December 6. Some say the record early voter turnout over the weekend signals a Democrat advantage. Obama will rally with Warnock on the day before early voting ends. It's expected to be the largest event of Warnock's four-week runoff campaign. Arlene Richards, NTD News, New York.
0: President Biden meeting with the French president at the White House. But it comes amid rising transatlantic tensions over some of Biden's policies. NTD's Iris Tao has more.
2: With hugs and kisses, President Biden and First Lady Jill Biden welcome French President Emmanuel Macron and his wife to the White House. The leaders vowing unity between the two countries.
3: France is our oldest ally, our unwavering partner in freedom's cause.
2: At the top of their agenda is voicing support for Ukraine. And Biden says this about meeting with Putin.
3: I'm prepared to speak with Mr. Putin if in fact there is an interest in him deciding he's looking for a way to end the war. He hasn't done that yet.
2: But aside from common ground, there is also some tension between the two nations. Just a day before meeting Biden on Thursday, Macron openly criticized the Inflation Reduction Act. The Biden-backed legislation includes heavy incentives for U.S. climate technologies. But Macron says that's unfair for European businesses. But as they were not properly coordinated with the European economies, they create just the absence of a level playing field. Meanwhile, after the two met behind closed doors, Biden said this about the legislation that angered many in Europe.
3: The United States makes no apology. There's obviously gonna be glitches in it and need to reconcile changes.
2: Biden was also pressed on domestic issues, such as the looming rail strike. Biden saying this about the consequences of not having a deal and having a nationwide strike.
3: It's gonna immediately cost 750,000 jobs. And cause a recession.
2: And more on the French visit. Biden will have his first day dinner tonight since taking office. And on the menu, over 200 Maine lobsters, a variety of American cheeses, and some orange chiffon cake for dessert. Reporting
0: from the White House, Iris Tau and News. The Supreme Court has agreed to take up the case of President Biden's student loan forgiveness plan. A New Orleans based federal court of appeals yesterday rejected the administration's bid to revive it. A federal judge in Texas ruled against the student debt forgiveness plan earlier in November. Biden then requested for the judge's decision to be put on hold and for his plan to be reinstated. The Supreme Court said today it will schedule expedited oral arguments for the case in February. About 26 million Americans have applied for student loan forgiveness. The Department of Education approved around 16 million requests by the time the plan was blocked. And earlier in the year, a whistleblower revealed that the Biden administration was planning to form a disinformation governance board. After much backlash, the board was terminated. Now, Senator Josh Hawley has new documents that indicate the board's plans to partner with big tech companies were more extensive than he thought. NTD's Jason Perry has that story.
4: Earlier in the year, a whistleblower shared information about a new board that was being formed under the Department of Homeland Security without the public's knowledge. That board was the Disinformation Governance Board. After much backlash from the public, the DHS terminated the Disinformation Governance Board in August 2022. Here's Senator Josh Hawley trying to get more information about the board from DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas earlier
3: in the year. I'm sure there are documents pertaining to this board, minutes of meetings, communications about who would serve on the board. Will you release those to this committee? Um, uh, Senator, there are not, uh, yet this, this governance board. Wait a minute. There are no, there are no minutes of meetings about this board? It has not yet. You've not uh, created any records? It has not yet begun its work. You've hired her. You surely had deliberations about hiring her. The, The, the board has not yet met.
4: Now, Senator Hawley is saying that statement was not true. According to documents the DHS provided to Holly's office, the Disinformation Governance Board was meeting on a weekly basis as early as February 2022. The DHS documents also say that the Disinformation Board's Executive Director, Nina Jankowitz, wanted to create a so-called analytic exchange with industry partners. Howley says that could be a portal for big tech companies to work with the government to suppress free speech. Mark Meckler, the president and co-founder of Convention of States Action, says either Mayorkas lied under oath or he didn't know the board was meeting, which shows gross incompetence as the leader
3: of the department, which should be grounds for removal. The depth of what they were trying to do. They were working with left-wing groups uh, trying to control what they consider disinformation. I went in and I read a bunch of the materials. Uh, It's pretty scary stuff and the left-wing groups were providing with memos. We haven't been able to see copies of those memos. That's been withheld. So I think the the real outstanding question is, what's redacted? Because I went in there and you're talking, I mean, dozens and dozens of pages that are redacted. Not just private information, but pages and pages of information.
0: Jason
4: Perry,
3: NTD News.
0: And over in Indiana, a criminal complaint filed over an abortion. The state's attorney general is seeking to punish a doctor who says she performed an abortion on a 10-year-old girl. Indiana's Attorney General Todd Rakita filed a complaint on Wednesday against Dr. Caitlin Bernard. The Attorney General says the doctor violated federal and state law by disclosing protected medical information at an abortion rights rally to, quote, further her political agenda. He also accused the doctor of not reporting child abuse. The AG is now asking the state's licensing board to discipline the doctor, but didn't specify what he once done. Bernard reportedly provided abortion services to a 10-year-old rape victim in late June. The doctor's attorney says the criminal complaint is an effort to intimidate abortion providers. New York City plans to involuntarily remove certain homeless people from the city's streets. A new report now says police were blindsided when the mayor made the announcement.
4: Good morning, New York
5: City. On Tuesday, New York City Mayor Eric Adams said police and outreach workers will start removing people who appear to be mentally ill and posing a danger to themselves. Indications that someone is in that state are serious untreated physical injury, unawareness or delusional misapprehension of surroundings, or unawareness or delusional misapprehension of physical condition or health. Those people would then be placed in custody for psychiatric evaluation and possibly committed to a hospital. The mayor said state law allows this, but it hasn't been put into practice until now.
4: A common misunderstanding persists that we cannot provide involuntary assistance unless the person is violent, suicidal, or presenting a risk of imminent harm. This myth must be put to rest.
5: The New York Post reports that sources from the city police department say they didn't know about the plan. One source reportedly described the situation as a hot mess. The New York Civil Liberties Union is among those criticizing the mayor's plan, saying in a statement, unless we adequately invest in the long-term health and well-being of New Yorkers facing mental illness and our chronic lack of housing, the current mental health crisis will continue. Joe Imperatrice is the founder of Blue Lives Matter NYC. He tells NTD housing alone wouldn't solve the problem.
4: They can't make a decision for themselves because they're so mentally ill. Uh, people just think that if you throw housing at them, they're going to be able to go on their own and go there. It's not always the case.
5: Some are saying police aren't trained for situations like these. According to New York City Council member Tiffany Caban, the majority of people killed by the police across the country annually are people living with mental health issues. Imperatrice points out that
4: police officers are trained uh, many, many times how to interact with the mentally ill. And it's something an officer is taught from day one, that if a person is a harm to themselves or others or cannot take care of themselves, cannot physically take care of themselves and really is endangering their well-being, an officer can uh, go and offer them help and call for an ambulance and have them taken to an emergency room.
5: The mayor's directive is expected to be challenged in court. Reporting by Arian Pastar, NTD News.
0: Comprehensive regulation is likely coming to the crypto industry. This morning the Senate held a hearing on the fall of FTX. It was formerly a major crypto exchange valued at 32 billion dollars. Then overnight it was worth nothing. No one has a full understanding of what happened yet but based on the latest information it seems that FTX and its founder Sam Bankman-Fried were using customers money to fund risky bets. Some key themes of today's hearing include cryptocurrency being a threat to national security, how regulation always comes after people lose their money, and a lack of regulation in the crypto space. The organization that's likely going to regulate crypto is the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, or CFTC for short. CFTC Chairman Rostin Benham, a Biden appointee, believes comprehensive market regulation is the answer senator dick durbin brought up the fact that sam bankman fried is a huge political donor he gave tens of thousands of dollars to members of the senate agriculture committee this past election season the very committee that's beginning the probe of ftx the hearing didn't give a solution to this potential conflict of interest and coming up a woman who identified as transgender after suffering severe mental anguish She cured that anguish, but not through her transition. We hear her story. And in college football, the new 12-team playoff format could be starting sooner than originally planned. NTD's Dave Martin has the update. That and more, coming up. to transgender issues. Increasing numbers of people are detransitioning, no longer identifying as transgender, and many express regrets about the journey they've been on. Earlier today, I spoke with senior policy analyst at the Independent Women's Forum, Kelsey Bowler, who's been looking into this in-depth, and most recently, the story of one girl, Prisha Mosley. Kelsey Bowler, welcome to our show. Thanks so much for joining us. Hi, thank you for having me. Now, Kelsey, you've reported on the story of a teen with severe mental trauma who decided to transition, and now she says she feels betrayed by medical professionals. Can you tell me more about that?
6: Yeah, this is a devastor- devastating story as part of our identity crisis series we've been publishing at Independent Women's Forum. And the reason it's it, it's different from all the others is because this is about a young girl who, as a teenager, had a well-documented History with mental illness that includes severe anorexia, OCD, borderline personality disorder, anxiety, depression. She was hospitalized on multiple occasions due to suicide attempts. You can see the scars on her wrist today. She was clearly extremely unwell. And yet, the second she decided she felt like she was transgender, doctors decided to streamline her, put her on the path to a medical transition, pump her body with cross-sex hormones. The minute she turned 18 approved her for a double mastectomy. And just a few years later, she has come to deeply regret it. And sadly is having a very difficult time moving beyond it uh, because mentally she is finally being healed because she has treated her borderline personality disorder, which she blames as the source of her discomfort surrounding her physical body but the physical damage, the physical mutilation that happened to her is still there. That is still something she has to live with every day. It's tragic.
0: And according to this girl, Precia Mosley, there were multiple steps along the way when the medical professionals she interacted with took questionable actions that pushed her to transition. Tell me about that.
6: Yeah, Precia is now looking back, along with her parents who I interviewed, um, asking, how did they allow me to take cross-sex hormones and physically alter my body in irreversible ways when they not only knew about the mental illnesses that I was struggling with, some of these professionals were the exact ones treating her for it. So at the same clinic where she was treated for severe anorexia, was the doctor who put her onto testosterone. And so clearly this was a girl struggling with body image issues, a a serious eating disorder. And, you know, the solution for that wasn't to alter her body. It was to treat the anorexia. And yet, When it came to gender dysphoria, the treatment for her mental confusion, her mental discomfort with her physical body was to alter her physical body in irreversible ways. Uh, She was seeing therapists all along who were treating all these different mental illnesses. And it appears that not one of them stopped, raised a red flag and said, hey, this girl is clearly mentally unwell. Perhaps we should wait until she is recovered from these mental illnesses to allow her to go down the path of a medical transition.
0: And as you mentioned, Prisha says that when she received talk therapy focusing on the underlying issues causing her mental state, she decided to detransition. But the trans community didn't support her at that stage.
6: Yeah, this is a problem that we're hearing more and more from detransitioners, where they are kind of love-bombed by the trans community when they come out as transgender. Uh, And then the second they take a step back and ask, was this really right for me? Is this solving the underlying issues that were causing me physical and mental discomfort with my body? They completely turn on them. The detransition community is not welcome. They are not loved by the the LGBT community. I think that's why you don't hear so many of these detransitioner stories in the media because they are extremely inconvenient to the popular narrative that is pushing this affirmation-only model, which is putting children, teenagers, and young adults directly on the path that Parisha Mosley went down. And it is such a new phenomenon of these young children and teens identifying as transgender. We are only beginning to hear the trauma, the stories that are coming out on the other side when the endings are not as happy as the media often portrays them.
0: Now, Prisha has plans to surgically reconstruct her breasts, and she started a GoFundMe campaign for that. Because her health insurance says detransitioning is not gender affirming care. There seems to be, as you mentioned, a big push from many sides for youths to receive cross sex procedures as the ultimate solution. Why do you think that is? Isn't it interesting how the medical community insurance,
6: health insurance policies will cover so-called gender-affirming care? They will pay for children and young adults to go on puberty blockers, cross sex hormones, even receive some of these surgeries. But when a uh, young girl such as prisha now needs uh, estrogen to counteract the effects that t- years of testosterone had on her body, She's left to pay for it out of pocket. She's also left to pay for laser hair removal due to masculine hair growth. She still suffers uh, and has all over her body. As you mentioned, she also wants to explore breast reconstruction surgery, which, quite frankly, I've had very raw conversations with her about this. She doesn't even know what's possible because all the skin is completely gone. All the tissues completely gone. Uh, the plastic surgeon actually fully removed and resized and reattached her nipples. She very bravely actually lifted up uh, her sweater for us on camera to show us what her chest now look lo- looks like. And the reason she did that is because she wants to prevent other young girls from going down this path. She wants them to see the real-life implications of doing something so damaging and so irreversible to your body at such
0: a young and confusing age. And so what do you think needs to happen next to prevent more stories like Precia's from happening? Well,
6: I certainly believe Precia will make a difference in this conversation by being so vulnerable and raw. So I really do thank her for her bravery in sharing her story. Um, visually and, you know, beyond that, but also I think it's well past time for the mental health and medical community to take a hard look at the standards they are employing when it comes to this gender affirmation model. I actually reached out to all, uh, I believe, um, most of the medical community who treated Prisha Mosley, and I regret to inform you that nobody was interested in talking to me very few of them responded and if they did it was a very scripted response none of them expressed remorse for what presha mosley is facing now due to their betrayal and so-called care
0: highly concerning kelsey bowler senior policy analyst at the independent women's forum thank you so much for your time thank you And now over to sports news. Here's NTD's Dave Martin with today's top stories.
3: Thank you, Steph. The college football playoff will be expanding to 12 teams sooner than expected. 2024 instead of 2026 when the current agreements end. Now we've known the expansion was in the works, but organizers had to rewrite new agreements for its start in two years. And the last hurdle was the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl. Maybe the most prestigious of all the bowl games, the Rose Bowl has always been played on New Year's Day following the Rose Bowl parade while pitting a Big Ten member versus a Pac-12 school. But with a reported $450 million television dollars on the line to get this done, the sides eventually came to an agreement. The new arrangement includes home games on campus sites for the first round of the playoffs with both sides set for the rest of the rounds. And in some sad World Cup news, an anti-government protester has reportedly been killed in Iran during public celebrations of the team's loss to the U.S. Iran human rights group IHR said that a 27-year-old man was shot in the head by security forces when he went out to celebrate. Before their initial World Cup match, the soccer team refused to sing the national anthem. The government then reportedly threatened to imprison and torture their family members if the team didn't, quote, behave. And for your sports viewing schedule tonight, the NBA has just one game, the Mavericks facing the Pistons in Detroit. The NHL, meanwhile, has 11 games on tap for tonight, including the Vegas Golden Knights, who are third in the league with 35 points, playing at Pittsburgh. And finally, for you football fans, The Buffalo Bills play at the New England Patriots tonight on Thursday Night Football. And that's a wrap for sports. Back to you, Steph.
0: Thanks, Dave. And that's all for today's news. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Stephanie O'Cox. Good night.